us your first thoughts on Scripture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of First Thoughts. My name is Damon Jensen Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, and... Ready to continue our deep dive into the Gospel of Mark, mm-hmm. one verse at a time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't um, uh, make the connection until just now. I've always just thought at first thoughts is just like, like this is the first thing that I thought about uh-huh. when reading this text. But it could be like interpreted as first Presbyterian, like, like first, like the thoughts of from first the community Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah. It's got a good double, wow. what, what's the French, double entendre? Well, I don't think, just a double meaning. <laughs> is an entendre just meaning? I have no idea. It is. Okay. Yeah. Well, why'd you ask me? Well, I'm not sure on the pronunciation. <laughs> I don't know. I How do you say it in German? I studied German. They don't say entendre in German, I don't think. <laughs> what is, say double. I think it's French. Say double meaning in German. Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, But we're not going to talk about any double meanings for the rest of the time. That's the promise. What are we going to do the rest of the time? Uh, We're going to do a short Bible study. We're going to go ahead and study the text that will be preached on uh, on Sunday, January the 7th. Yeah. I wrote it right there. I I typed it in. And uh, we might ask some questions of the text. Let the text ask questions of us and uh, and dig in and kind of see where the first thoughts lead us, which will lead to the second thoughts and then the third thoughts and then the fourth thoughts and eventually a sermon on Sunday, January 7th. So, with any luck? Well, I don't think luck has much to do with it. With any blessing of the Holy Spirit? There you go. <laughs> Speaking of blessing of the Holy Spirit, should we open with a word of prayer and ask for the Holy Spirit's blessing, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Should I do it? You should, because in the last time, uh, I did both the opening and the closing prayer. Oh. Because we forgot to do the opening prayer. Right, so you did a twofer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's my turn. Yeah. Fair enough. Sure. I can do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful. Come, Holy Spirit, and open our minds and our hearts. Enliven us to the way that your Holy Word is speaking to us today and what relevance it may have for our lives and our daily living, what relevance it may have for how we choose to be in this world. Bless our reading of your scripture. Bless our understanding of it. And bless our proclamation of it as we go out into the world and proclaim your good news. In Jesus' holy and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Sunday, January 7th, continuing to move through the opening chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Right. So, last week we studied uh, Mark uh, from Mark 1 1, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through, it's 1 through 20. Through 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was this rapid fire. Uh, on the baptizer, and then before we knew it, Jesus was baptized. Beginning of the good news. And then before we knew it, Jesus had gathered his disciples, 
the fishermen who dropped their nets and followed him, two yeah. sets of them. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's where we are in the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, scholars tell us Jesus was about 30 years old at this time. Yeah. And Jesus is launching his public ministry in the Gospel of Mark. That's where it starts. No, yeah. birth, no birth narrative, no Jesus nothing. Jesus is not just, born just in the Gospel of Mark. Boom. Just and shows up. Yeah. And this rapid fire moving from short story to short story is going to continue in this first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. It's actually going to continue through much of our study of the Gospel of Mark. And so we have a bunch of interesting stories here packed into a pretty short amount of text. It's Mm -hmm. succinct, unlike your pastor. My pastor? I was pointing to the camera and to our loyal listeners. Which of their pastors? Because you used a singular, uh-huh. but you didn't identify which. Yeah. I... Okay. Mostly me. Sometimes <laughs> you. I suppose. You have the capacity to be verbose, just not as frequently as I do. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. The capacity, sure. Mm-hmm. We should read this. <laughs> All right, let's do that. Okay. Uh, It reads something like this, from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 21, and going through verse 45. They went to Capernaum. They here is like Jesus, James, John, Simon, and the other one. Yep. His brother. The four disciples that Jesus just picked up uh, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, and said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. 
Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. That's it. So Jesus, he's just going to keep hanging out in the woods. Right. <laughs> Apparently. Right. Because he can't, uh, he gets mobbed when he shows up in town. Right? Seems like it. Certainly reads like it. Yeah. So, no, where do you want to start? I'm, uh, I was particularly struck by the different spaces that Jesus was doing ministry in. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, in the first part of the story, he enters the synagogue and teaches there, and this unclean, the man with the unclean spirit is there in the synagogue. And Jesus uh, performs the miracle of driving this unclean spirit, this demon, out of the man mm-hmm. uh, in the synagogue. And we read, they were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into a house. Mm -hmm. So you have a a public space of prayer and worship. Yeah. And then you have a house. Mm -hmm. That house becomes pretty public pretty quick. Yeah. Uh But we read that that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. Yeah. And so sort of moving from these different spaces, right? The synagogue, the house, and then gathering around the door of the house. Uh And then Jesus goes out to a deserted place to pray Uh and then realizes he basically has to stay out in that deserted place because otherwise he's going to get mobbed because of these miracles of being a healer. And I'm just struck by the various physical locations and what those might represent in terms of helping us understand Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's what struck me about this. Hmm. I don't know that I have an answer to it, but it's a question that I have. This idea of Jesus being like, I mean, Jesus is certainly willing to engage in ministry in all of those settings. Yeah. Right. But we're right off the bat. We're establishing him as a religious authority by him going into the synagogue and teaching and performing his first miracle in the gospel of Mark in the synagogue. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it's this deeply personal. He goes to his new friend's house and heals Simon's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then it's very public. It's for all the people, right? So first it's for the religious people. Then it's this deeply personal, intimate interaction. Yeah. And then it becomes for, I mean, all the people in the region that he's in. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to do anything with that, but that was just, um, I, was, I was just thinking about these physical spaces and sure. what they might or might not mean. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it was intentional that the story was told in that way to right off the bat showing Jesus in the yes. ministry in these different ways. Yeah. Yes. It's, it certainly shows him in, a, in at least a few settings and um, situations and places and being and being yeah and being willing to 
do ministry in those places, mm-hmm. right? And it looks, maybe it looks different in each place, or maybe not. It's, you know, when all the people are being brought to him at the house, like we don't, like, we don't get the description that he, you know, of him going over and lifting them up. Right. In the way that he does with uh, Simon's mother-in-law. but Right, and, and, and even with the, uh, the person with the unclean spirit in the synagogue, mm-hmm. uh, it feels like a, a less... Yeah, right? I think there's also like possibly a connection. I mean, the way that we do ministry looks different. Right. Depending on the setting that we are in. Certainly. It, depend, it looks different depending... And when I say we, I mean like all of the members of the church. I right. don't just mean you and I. Right. Um, it even looks different depending on what house you are in. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are really they really want to hug, right? And so, okay, hug, <laughs> right? Some people really don't want to hug. Mm-hmm. So, okay, no hug. Okay. Right. Just that idea of the ministry adapting to the people and to the setting, mm-hmm. regardless of, it's all ministry, but it, right. you know, it, it might look or feel a little bit different in on all the different places that we enter into. Yeah. Or the different people that we are interacting with. Yeah. You know, like, we don't teach, we don't lead Bible study with second graders the same way that we lead it with adults. Yeah. Maybe we should. But, <laughs> yeah, but we don't, you know, just that idea of from setting to setting. Yeah. Well, and how different the settings can be yet. It's all ministry. You know, I'm right. I'm struck. I, I think I've shared this image with you before. Um, uh, Damon and I occasionally both go to the hospital uh, when we have church members who are there. Mm-hmm. And there's a chaplain there who's actually a Presbyterian pastor. Her name is Lisa, and she's great. Um, and there are also volunteers there uh, who yeah. go around the rooms. And um, uh, Andy Barrow is a member of our church, is one of the people who volunteers there. And uh, just in a, in a voluntary setting, and, and he goes, and, and I've, I happen to have been there when he's been there doing his volunteer work. And I walked by a room one time. It was not a room of a member. And I saw Andy Barrows in there, um, and he was kneeling by a bedside praying with a person. And it just struck me very deeply, um, the ministry that Andy was engaged in in that context, uh, and how beautiful that was. And each of us are called to ministry in different contexts, um, but that that was one context in which a member of this church was acting as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ by praying at someone's bedside and providing them comfort. We all have opportunities to do that, uh, whether that is with colleagues or coworkers or family members or in public settings or in private settings. And uh, maybe that's what Jesus is modeling for us here in the Gospel of Mark. Um, you know, the first place is a public setting of worship. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the opportunity to minister to one another in this setting uh, regularly. Uh, on Sunday mornings, certainly, but also on Wednesdays and, and other times. The next setting is is in someone's house in an intimate setting, and we have the chance to enter into those intimate spaces of our family members and friends and minister to them in that way. And then the next setting is is 
public setting that is not a church. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just that was one of the things that jumped out at me in this passage, just moving from place to place in the ministry and how it looks different, but it's all ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. The last one is uh, the in- interaction with the leper is is interesting, and it's one that's always sort of um, caused me pause. Uh, the leper coming wow. to Jesus saying, if you choose, you can make me clean. So the leper knows there's something special about Jesus, and Jesus has the capacity to heal. Perhaps the leper's heard about these healing miracles that he's done before. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. And then in verse 41, moved with pity... Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the pity's always uh, caught me, that word there in the, in the text. Caught you well or not so well? Um, you like it? You don't like it? You know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about the word pity. Yeah. Moved with compassion. Um. Because pity to me always implies sort of looking down on someone, and I don't perceive that to be the sort of the basis of Gen- of Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas compassion is is suffering with someone, is is being with them in the midst of whatever they're going through, and I see Jesus is more doing that, um, and so that's that's always a word that has not sat well with me that's- in this passage. Yeah. Is pity the same as a feeling sorry for? Could be. Like, I I feel sorry for you or with you mm-hmm. in, well, your, in your condition. Feeling sorry for you and feeling sorry with you are, that's, that's sort of that distinction that I, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think the, um, <laughs> I think the problem is um, uh, you, you pitiable fool, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't know. That's just like a phrase that's stuck in my brain, right? And when you pair pitiable with fool, then it becomes very, that's a very condescending yeah. sort of a thing, right? Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the sense yeah, of, you know of it that's that's being used here, but yeah, that word because we do we do often use it in that sort of uh, haughty kind of a way, right? Right? Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah. That sense that Jesus responds. Um, I do choose um, be made clean. How you read that makes a huge difference. Right. Right? That <laughs> those are two sentences that could, they could be given sort of indignantly or sort of angrily of sort of, you know, this, um, or they could be, shared very sympathetically and right. um, empathetically as well of, you know, well, yeah, of course I choose. 
I do. I, I do yeah. choose. Yeah. Be made clean. Yeah, of course. As opposed uh, yeah. to, if you choose, you can make me clean. <laughs> I do choose. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, or... Yeah. Like, you, like you could imagine a person saying that as almost like, a, how dare you even ask me that question? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? Um, but, yeah, that makes... A, a difference, I think, in, in just in how you interpret the text, yeah. how you imagine Jesus speaking there. And being made clean has an exclamation point on it, which always confuses me. I think... How are we supposed to read that exclamation point? Right. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm reflecting back on my Greek class, I don't think there are exclamation points in biblical Greek, but I think there are verb tenses that are emphatic. And so when we're translating from biblical Greek into English, mm-hmm. uh, if it's if it's that verb tense that is emphatic, then our English interpretation of that is throwing an exclamation point on there. Yeah. Um, and this is just part of the thing where all, all interpretation is to some degree, an act of imagination. Right. Right. Um, You know, even just like the basic translation of a text from one language to another is to some degree an act of imagination. And how do I think that this is supposed to read? (laughs) Uh, Is it supposed to read angry? Is it supposed to read contented? Is it supposed to read whatever the case might be, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of a, one of the... Okay, so now I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. Not the very beginning. I'm going to go to verse 22. Okay. Right. Um, uh, they go to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching. Mm-hmm. How do you read that they? Well, that's, that's part of the problem, right? Because the pronoun they, they went to Capernaum, we know immediately before that Based is on what's right before. referencing um, mm-hmm. the four new disciples that he's just picked up along the shores of the mm-hmm. Sea of Galilee. But then um, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. I... I read the they as those who are gathered in the synagogue, not just the four. All of everyone, anybody who's there. Not just the four people that walked in with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the, the Greek text doesn't give us anything other than the pronoun mm-hmm. they. Um, and so it's up to us, as you said, it's an act of imagination. Which yeah. they was the author referring to? Yeah. See, my, my inclination would probably be to think, oh, this is just, this is just the four. Oh, again, okay. this is Simon and Andrew and James and John, and Jesus is teaching. That's the it's the same they. And Jesus is teaching them, in the synagogue. So and other, you know, it's like uh, when you go, like you go to a, like you're someplace and you go to a museum, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of walking around, you know, and then there's a tour group, <laughs> like you're all in the same place, but the tour guide is. And the tour guide speaking, speaking loudly enough for anybody else to hear, um, if they're speaking the same language <laughs> that right. you do. But they're just teaching the people around them. 
And then hmm. sometimes I try to like glom onto their group so I can learn stuff for a little yeah. bit. Um, but as long as you tip the guide, I think that's an okay yeah. thing to do. Um, and so, well, not for just like, <laughs> just like for a little bit, just like while they're in the room with me, you know, yeah. and then they go on and do their thing. And then I stand and read the little plaque, but I wonder, um, if any biblical scholars have gone back and looked at what the size of the synagogue was in Capernaum, mm-hmm. you know, because if somebody walked into our church with four friends and was teaching those friends, there's enough spaces in our church that it could just be that group. Yeah. And nobody mm-hmm. else would be interacting with it. Um, alternatively, if you walked into, let's say, the sanctuary of Second Presbyterian Church in Hastings, if four people walked in and or five people walked in and one of them started teaching and you were in the sanctuary, um, everybody else would hear what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting yeah, it's interesting yeah. that I see the they as not just the four guys that came in with him and yeah. And then I mean I think it could be either. It, I, absolutely. I think, it, I think it could be read either way, yep. right? Um if it's if it's Simon and Andrew and James and John then it it sort of continues this sort of more experience mm-hmm. um, you know from from the preceding verses as well where he calls these four um, to come and join him and then it, it continues their sort of being convinced mm-hmm. of who he is right that oh he's but do they need convincing I mean these these are folks who have dropped their nets and followed him they're they're in Maybe, but also you could go back at any time. You know, yeah. like I mean, but and like all he has said to them up to that point is, "Come and follow me." But they did. Sure, so they, they did. They clearly. But then what? Right. right? Like there has to be more than "Come and follow me," mm-hmm. right? And. That and now, oh, like he is like he is teaching us in a different way than how other folks have tried to teach us, um, and that makes sense to us. Like that's that's appealing to me, right? Like I'm I'm hooked, and I'm going to stay on the hook, right? Sort of a thing, um, and anybody else. Anybody else that's within earshot can hear it too. Um, it's different than I think in is it Luke? He shows up at the synagogue and they hand him the scroll. They hand him the and scroll. He unrolls it and reads from Isaiah. Right, and that in both cases though, this is this is the interesting detail, right? So mm-hmm. they went to Capernaum. We know that's the four of them plus Jesus. And when the Sabbath came, so we've switched settings a day or two has passed, mm-hmm. right? They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. Mm-hmm. With what authority does he get to go into the synagogue and start teaching on the Sabbath when you know that there's going to be lots of people gathered there? Sure. Right? If somebody just showed up at our church on a Sunday morning, 
mm-hmm. who we didn't know, and none of these guys are from Capernaum, including Jesus, mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to teach this morning. Right. That would, be, that would be very bold and rude. Yeah? <laughs> I would perceive that as rude. And you and I would say, um, <laughs> no, you're not. Right. Uh, let's have a conversation. Let me understand what it is you want to teach and why right. you think this is where you'd like to teach it. And then maybe next week or in a few weeks, we could talk about you leading some sort of class mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. That, that would be my initial response mm-hmm. to somebody walking in here, even if they had four guys walking with them who were stinky fishermen. Um, I would not immediately say, oh, sure, here, the pulpit's yours. Go ahead. Let me turn over my right. congregation to you so you can teach them. Mm-hmm. But again, there was something special enough about Jesus that these fishermen dropped their nets and followed him. There was something, mm-hmm. something about this guy that was attractional or... Mm-hmm. He he put off an air of authority or an air of something enough that people would do that. But I just, I would be very, very skeptical if somebody walked in here on a Sunday morning yeah. and said, I'm going to teach. And mm-hmm. we just handed over the keys to the pulpit and said, okay, go ahead. There's no keys to the pulpit. I'm making a oh, weird there is. car reference. There actually is a key, a key in the pulpit, pulpit, but it's always in there. <laughs> Now people who are listening will be like, where's the key to the pulpit? What, what are these guys talking it's just about? just there. Just go look at it. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, and to teach. Um, yeah. For he taught them as one. Having authority. Um, not as the scribes. But I, I don't know the, what that means. It's just like a feeling thing. I guess. Yeah. Um, and and again, the the author of the Gospel of Mark picks these stories and puts these words around them for a purpose. Mm-hmm. We can't get into his head, no. but we can try. And so um, he's trying to establish Jesus as an authority. Right, that's that's what the author is doing here sure, by relating Jesus. stories that show that people acknowledged or yeah Jesus authority yeah right Jesus Jesus has the juice right um, <laughs> say that again Jesus has the juice he's Jesus got the, has he's the got juice. the stuff you know yep. yeah and then this and then the then the person with the unclean spirit cries out right and then I think it becomes a more public scene. So that's for in, you when this, my mind, this switches. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. Yeah, I'm not convinced that in some way, shape, or form. Somehow he just walked up and started teaching and everybody who was gathered in the synagogue on the Sabbath, which would have been a lot of people, mm-hmm. aren't listening to him. But, but certainly it then becomes a public event in a space of worship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then in, in 27, they were all amazed. But even that, it could still just be those the four. I, you know, it could be either way. So. Because then they go from there to Simon's house, Simon and Andrew's house. But 
You don't want to skip 28. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Sure. So enough people witnessed this event to where it led to his fame spreading mm-hmm. throughout the region. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's definitely more people witnessing this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I don't know. There are houses here. Oh, so Simon and Andrew, James and John might be from Capernaum. Simon and Andrew, as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Yeah. And then in verse 32, that evening, this is all, this is all the same day, at sundown. Yeah. They brought to him all who, you know. Yep. It's sort of like, um, I don't know that this really happens this way anymore, but like once upon a time when I would go home to little small town Victor um, over a break or something, you like, you like you didn't like text all your friends ahead of time. But word got out that you yeah. were home. Yeah. And, like, word starts to spread. Oh, like, I saw, you know, I saw Greg at the, you know, at the grocery store or whatever. And then, um, yeah, that's the, that it feels kind of like that yeah. to me in in some ways. But it could also be this sort of, I'm here, I'm through the door, and away we're going. Mm-hmm. Sundown, I think, is an interesting detail to add in yeah. to the story. Just this very sort of highly transitional time of day. Right. Is this, this is still a Sabbath, too, isn't it? Yeah. So that has something to do with it as well. Yep. Right? He's allowed to start working at that point. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The whole city comes out and gathers at the door at sundown because that's when they're allowed according to Jewish ritual law, to yeah. be out and about. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, normally, if we, if we read this story, we would stop at, like, 28. Yeah. Right? Yep. And we wouldn't make all these other connections. To Correct. It. Yeah. But it's important, I think. Mm-hmm. So. All, all right. right. Anything else? Well, I think there's a lot of material there. All right. Fair enough. What does that mean? I think it means we can close in prayer and then move to announcements about what's happened in the life of the church. What do you say? I say that seems reasonable. Okay. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for the gift. We thank you for the calling that you place upon our lives. We thank you for all of your teachings and how they reach us and how they move us and how they enliven our hearts and our lives. As we continue to study your holy word, I ask that you might help us to become ever more your disciples. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, what's happened in the life of the church? I have no idea. Nor do I. Um, I know we don't have Wednesday Night Live this week. Okay. Meaning January 3rd. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we're back to Sunday school on January 7th. Sure. And uh, so that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. 
And then other things. And then other things. Uh, yeah. We so should tell the people what today's date is. Should we? Yeah, cause to explain why we have no idea what's happening in the church. Today is Wednesday, December 20th. We are pre-recording the Monday <laughs> check-in, or the rather the first uh, thoughts for you. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why we have no authority as to what is happening <laughs> in the church. But uh, we'll, we'll bring Three you up to speed. From now. Read your bulletins, read your newsletters, you'll know what's happening. Yeah, it'll be fine. All right. It's mostly, it's mostly the usual stuff. I think that's all we got. You know what's going on. Yep. All right. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo. <laughs>